Hello, dear listener, it's Daniel. Now, before we get to this episode, just want to remind you, me and Core just launched a Patreon. For $7 a month, you can get exclusive content. Now, how do you sign up for said exclusive content? Well, we made it easy. There's a link down in the show notes or go to patreon.com slash litdpod. We'll see you soon. Now, let's get to today's episode. Light bearers and the lost to the light in the darkness podcast. We hope this show can shed some light on whatever leg of the journey you're on. We are your hosts. I'm Gory. And I'm Daniel. Welcome back, everybody. Now, we got a little bit of business to get down to. There's something we all like. All of us. We put them on our cars, on our laptops, on our water bottles, and that is the wonderful sticker. Now, would you like one of those with our show artwork on it, because you can get one for a first-time donation of any amount. We'll send it right to your doorstep. Now, Corey, what else can they do? While you're on our website, litdpod.com, giving that donation, you will find links to all of our various social media. We would appreciate it if you would follow. And you can go to Apple Podcasts and leave us a rating and review, and you may find yourself featured in our end of episode shout out. Now, today's episode, we've got some cool cats. And those cats are from the Sabbath at Midnight podcast which is a great show. And the hosts from that show, Lionel and his dad, Dominic, are coming on. Now, you'll notice we've got some similarities, but ultimately, they're going to bring their own flavor to this show. Cor, tell them a little bit more about the guys from uh, Sabbath at Midnight. Well, we stumbled across Lionel and Dominic and realized that, uh, hey, they've interviewed some of the same people we've interviewed. So, we reached out to one of our previous favorite guests, 
Vicki Joy Anderson, and asked her to make the intro. So we love Lionel. We love Dominic. They have a very similar mission in their podcast. They explore the paranormal from a Christian perspective. So they are coming on the show today to share all of their very weird and wonderfully (laughs) weird, (laughs) wonderfully weird encounters. Living on a haunted ranch in the middle of California, lots of UFO encounters, all kinds of high strangeness. So, I'm going to finish up yapping here. Without further ado, everybody, let's get to it. Well, welcome to the show from the Sabbath at Midnight Podcast. We have Lionel and Dominic Tavares. Welcome to Light in the Darkness, guys. Thank you for having us on. Thank you. Very excited. You guys are some new friends we've been making, and I'm already enjoying this friendship, and I know that there's just more enjoying to be had down the road. (laughs) Amen. And you guys are our first podcasters that we've actually had on. So this is huge. You know, some cross-pollination going on here. Good stuff. I definitely take it as a sign of massive respect. I really appreciate it, honestly. Thank Thank you. you. Honor's ours, honestly. It really is. Uh, But, you know, there is a little thing we like to do here. We like to start at the very beginning, because that's a very fine place to start. And whichever one of you would like to start first, Dominic or Lionel, why don't you Take us back and tell us about the spiritual atmosphere of your home. You know, did you guys pray? Did you go to church? Were there spiritual gifts active in the home? And just paint that picture for the listeners. Well, I'll go first, Lionel. So, again, the first question was a spiritual, the spiritual realm of the house, I guess. Yeah, um, yeah. yeah, yeah. I would say, in um, in the sense of of everybody that lived there, we all believed in. Uh, in Jesus Christ, um, him being, you know, King of King, Lord of Lords, the God. Um, there's definitely, definitely a lot of love in the family. Um, you know, we had a, we had a good family. We're very tight, had each other's back. But when you, in the other realm of that, I would say in the spiritual aspect that was surrounding or haunting the area we lived in, I would say that it was negative. And um, everyone that lived with us um, definitely experienced some kind of negative um, presence at some point, seeing different things from um, spiritual apparitions, you know, like shadow creatures all the way from, you know, cryptids and, and the list goes on, you know, and I would say that was the spiritual aspect of it. It was, def- it was definitely a haunted ranch. Let's just say that. Dang. Could we pan over to Dominic for that same question? Yeah, yeah go ahead. Yeah. Well, the supernatural was happening before I got to the ranch and just to a quick brush stroke. When I was probably four or five years old, I was sitting back on my parents' Al Camino driving down the freeway. They were, they were obviously driving, not me. I was only five years old. But it had a camper shell and I looked out back, a little sliding window of the camper shell. And I saw what looked like to me as a child as a rotating refrigerator. I know it sounds funny, and it did when I was a child. Everyone, my siblings said, oh, wow, you know, you're just imagining, right? But now when I reflect back on it, it was a cube UFO. Wow. And later, this is, this is out in, near San Diego in a place called Escondido. And we moved to Palm Desert. 
probably in 72, 73, And once I was laying out on the driveway, I looked up and I saw many UFOs coming from each cardinal direction. And when they intersected each other, they blinked. And that started the journey into the supernatural. We moved out to the ranch when probably around 1977. And I recall my mother pointed out as we were driving out in the back roads towards the Chocolate Mountains. And she's, what is that? What is that? And I looked, and I, re- I remember to this day, clearly, clearly towards Joshua Tree, this light was blinking different colors like a Christmas light, red, green, blue, yellow, purple. It was beautiful. And it started zigzagging and just disappeared, just darted to the east towards Arizona. And that's, that's the beginning. And now you know, we're getting to the ranch. You know, as a child there, growing up, Everything seemed pretty quiet in the beginning. And being an inquisitive little kid, I started looking out in the desert, started kicking around dirt and just, you know, bored, right? So started finding seashells not too far from the home. Wow, what is this? Evidently, the desert was underwater thousands of years ago. Then I came upon arrowheads and uh, pottery with with burnt, um, the, the sand was burnt underneath it. Like, you know, if it was some type of fire they created there, the natives, whoever they were, because I don't know who they were. And um, I brought some arrowheads into the house and pottery as the years went by. Later on, um, nothing really out of the ordinary, just once in a while, they see a UFO. And what started getting really weird is one day I came back from high school and my mom, we had a, a washroom, and she said, uh, look what I found. I said, what, what? She said, I was out in the desert digging. I'm like, what'd you find? And she brought back a, a bone. It looked like a, a, a hip bone from what we could only discern back then was from a female child. Hmm. That was in the home. Man. So was this a sacrificial uh, person that was sacrificed to some sort of gods or what? But after that, Bringing that into the in the home, that's when things started really getting weird. No efforts to like contact the authorities about that or anything. Fair. Nope. Nope. Not back then. There was no street lights back there. There was nothing back there. I mean, mm. it, it looked like a female bone. Yeah, yeah. And you know, out, out there now, when they're doing construction, back way back in the years, they have to stop construction because. They find things, right? Um, so the supernatural, it, evidently, when you disturb certain things, I guess in this type of world, in this space, that's when you awaken the spirits. And um, started having um, sleep paralysis. And I was really into heavy metal back then. Now we're getting to the 80s. Lionel wasn't born yet. And I listened to um, bands, hair bands like Iron Maiden, Judas Priest, and Motley Crue, and all these crazy bands. And I was really into it, right? And there's a song by Iron Maiden. I won't mention what it is because I don't want people to go listen to it. But this thing was in my head all the time. When you get a melody in your head, it's in your head all the time. So one day, what, what, what woke me up from this 
is my face in the mirror was like a lime green. And that frightened me. That was some kind of, for me, I look at back, look back at it now, it was some kind of demon wanted to possess or something was going on. Mm. And what I did is I destroyed all those heavy metal tapes, cassettes back then. Destroyed all that stuff. And um, we started hearing um, at night, started hearing a, 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 a creature. It wasn't a goat. It wasn't a coyote. It wasn't an owl. It wasn't a wild peacock out there that got away from somebody. It was something else. It sounded, if you can imagine mixing a, a screaming woman and a goat and a chicken getting killed, screeching out in the desert. So loud, so terrifying. It wasn't, it wasn't like something you hear in the wild. If it's coyotes, you're like, oh yeah, it's a coyote. If you hear anything out in the wild that you're familiar with, you know what it is. It doesn't, it doesn't shake you. This thing did. It went right through your, right through your body into your soul. So I knew it wasn't anything good. So I'd go out there with the, with the spotlight. We lived on a hill, on a dune, a sand dune. There's no heavy brush around the, around the property. It's pretty barren. And this thing sounded like it was just, just below the embankment, like 30 feet from the house. Go out there with the flashlight, nothing. Dogs, pet bulls, German shepherds, doormans would just cower at the back door, wanting to run inside. And as soon as I retreated back to the home and closed the back door, it started again. It sounded like it was 20, 30 feet away from me again. Go out there again, nothing. Nothing out there. But it was there. Just couldn't see it. Any footprints or anything? Well, that's where we have to get into the Lionel story. I, I personally never, never saw any footprints. But I did see it once out in the Tamarisk trees one night. My sister and brother-in-law were there and they're like, look, look, what is that across the street? The Tamarisk trees. And I looked, there was something dark, something, something, I don't know. It was, it was hunched over. It was just, it was a dark figure with like arms and legs. And I still remember it. And whatever this thing is, I researched it recently and found a, an article by Dr. Michael Heiser, how he mentions this is called the, um, this, this creature or, or something along those lines. It's, it's, a, it's a demonic uh, entity that dwells in dry places, something akin to Lilith or Inanna, the desert witch, the, the night owl, the night terror, the Bible. And um, later on, Lionel was born, and he had some experiences out there. And uh, and there's a lot. Of, there was a lot of stuff going out there. I'm not done, but I'll let Lionel take over. Where you want me to start at, buddy? I don't know. Man, <laughs> where, where, where? So, so how long? How long did y'all live on the ranch? I say I lived there from the age of I was born till 19. And how long was your family on the ranch? Um, so it belonged to my grandfather and my grandmother. So it had it been about at least 10 years uh, uh, before I was born. Yeah. It was yeah. all together. Close to 30 years. Wow. And, 
did did most of your paranormal encounters, Lionel, only happen on the ranch? Not most of them, but um, I would I say most uh, most uh, in that in that sense of yeah, I would say most, but not all of them. I would say about a good thirty percent happened cool. outside of it. So, what was the first time that you encountered something and like this is not normal? This is weird. <laughs> um, I would say the first time I had a, a a demonic experience. I would say, well, you know, it depends. Um, so I have two of them. One would be when I was like the age of four and the next one would be at the age of six. And it's crazy to think that, you know, no one remembers stuff when you're that young, but if it's traumatizing, you're going to remember it. <clears throat> but, um, if, if you want to go with the age of four, I, I want to bring up this nightmare that I had and I still remember it to this day. And I mean, most people should know when you have a dream, as soon as you wake up, you know, it goes away. You don't remember it unless it's some kind of crazy dream, you know, that really sticks with you. But, Usually they go away, right? Um, the, the the memory of it. But this one I still remember to this day. So I had a dream when I was four years old that I was on a, I was at a at a broken down like post apocalyptic theater, like a live theater, you know, where, where they do plays. And um, it was just basically the stage and a bunch of chairs, and the whole building was broken down, like the sky. You can see the sky, you know. There's no, you can see the sky because there's no roof. And that's what the setting was like. And I just remember having uh, seen the big red curtain and then seeing all the chairs. And it's kind of like a, you're kind of looking at it. If you, if you have a drone, you know, you fly a drone, you kind of just see the, you know, the, the whole panorama view of it. So if, if you want to imagine that's how the dream started, I'm looking at the setting, you see the, you see the theater in the background, you see like a, like some kind of metropolis that's broken down, maybe LA, maybe New York, who knows, but it looks all broken down. Everything's all messed up. And, when you pan pan to the left in the dream, there's like a tree house. And mind you, I'm four years old. I've never seen a tree house before. I don't even know what, what a tree house looks like. And in the in the dream, I had a dream of a of a tree that had like this little wooden house in it. And um, from from that part of the dream, I kind of just fast forward to being to living inside of the like you know the view from inside of it. And now now we're looking you know through my eyes in the dream. And I just remember um, my mom and dad sleeping on the bed. And I just hear a big knock on the door. Boom, boom, boom. And um, I wake up and I'm just like terrified in the dream. And I'm in this like wooden house. You know, it's all made of wood. And I just remember, you know, having the door right there. And then again, keeps knocking. And um, my parents don't wake up, but I'm just like looking at what, what's happening. And then all of a sudden the door opens up. Boom, it just gets broken open. Bam. And then um, kind of imagine like, you know, the door, you know, the door, the door's kind of like in the shape of that, you know, that typical old school, like upside down U. And this thing like puts his hand like this because it's so big and it's kind of, you know, puts his head under the door and it's a werewolf. And I've never seen a werewolf movie. I've never, I don't even know what a werewolf is, but that in the dream, I saw this massive, you know, werewolf with red glowing eyes and it just, you know, got underneath the door and started walking towards me like it was going to eat me. And then I woke up and then I would say about a couple, um, what do you call it? A couple years later i saw a werewolf movie and i was like huh i saw that in a dream so i thought that was very strange to me that i you know i i got to see a theater that i never seen before you know in a movie nothing and i saw a werewolf and i saw a treehouse you know in my dream and those are all things that i've never seen before in a movie or a drawing or anything like that so i thought that was i would say that was my first experience and because that dream felt very real like that it was going to kill me but 
if you want to talk about my first like actual experience being, you know, fully awake and some crazy stuff going down. Well, when I was six, I was living at these apartments in Palm Desert. It wasn't at the ranch. I would say it's about maybe about five miles away, maybe seven in a straight line away from where the ranch was. And um, anyways, I was about six years old and I was sleeping, you know, in my room. And, you know, those um, I don't know if you guys ever seen those. It's like mostly like cheap apartments. that have these things, you know, no offense to anybody, you know, but you know, these, it's like those, those two big sliding doors. Oh yeah. Every apartment, those <laughs> big mirrors in the room, you know, they're so cheap. They just break easily. Yeah. It was like that kind of, you know, closet with those two big, you know, mirror, those two big mirror doors. And, um, I just remember being woken up by something in the middle of the night, like something just, you know, woke me up in, in like those sweat, you know, that, that sweat kind of, uh, nightmare. I don't remember what I was having a nightmare about, but I remember waking up and my back was turned against the mirror. So I didn't see, I couldn't see the mirror and I just roll over. Come, I feel hot. You know, I roll over and I'm laying on my side and I'm looking in the mirror and underneath my bed, there's like a dead body, like, mm. like a, like a rotting zombie, like, but a rotting, like, you know, a skeleton showing the flesh is falling off and it's moving and I'm terrified. And, you know, and I'm, I'm at the edge of the bed pretty much when I, when I, ro- when I roll over. And the first thing I want to do is, is look, you know, I want to see if this thing's here because in the mirror that it's already, I would be able to see its hand already coming out. When I, when I look down, it, it's not there. But when I look in the mirror, it's, it's getting up. So I just, I got so scared. I just, I literally got up and I jumped over, <laughs> I jumped over it in the mirror, but it, you know, it wasn't there when I looked at it, but in the mirror it was right there. So I jumped over it. And I ran to my mom and dad's room and I was screaming, panicking, you know, there's something in my room. I forgot what I said, but all I remember is I'm saying, oh, you're just having a nightmare. Go back to your room. I was not going back to that room. So basically <laughs> I pretended to go back to my room and I slept at the, at the edge. I closed the door and I slept like at the door right there. And I slept there on purpose because tactically I wanted to make sure if anything was going to come, it would wake me up first because the door had to be open and it would hit me. <laughs> mm. That's how serious it was. But yeah, that was, I would say that was my first supernatural like demonic experience. And again, I'm six years old. There's no drugs involved. I wasn't drunk, you know, you know, all the nonsense that people like to ask, you know, I say, I think kids usually, usually see the most weirdest stuff. You know, they experience the most weirdest situations and, you know, they're, they're talking to some kind of a, a person, you know, there's so many videos of these kids, like in, in like intellectually having a full on conversation with, you know, something that's not there. So just, I want to clear it up. You weren't into like zombie movies or anything as a six-year-old, right? None of that. No Scooby-Doo. I never saw any of the stuff like that. That's why it's so, um, like it's so impacting to me because I didn't see any of that stuff till I got older. So like, um, I mean, a werewolf movie, there was no werewolf movies in the, how old was I back? Well, I mean, I was six, but that would have been like 1990. I don't know what four I probably was. I was born in 88, but I think the first werewolf movie I saw was, um, what's that movie with Michael J. Fox? And he's a, uh, he's a wolf. He plays basketball. Teen, <laughs> wolf. Teen wolf. Yeah. yeah Teen wolf. Yeah. That's the first werewolf movie I saw. And I was probably like 10 when I saw that. You know, oh, so gotcha. I've seen a werewolf movie before. Yeah. It makes you, it makes you wonder if you haven't seen any of this pop culture stuff with werewolves and yet you're seeing one in your dreams. Uh, where are they coming from that pop culture has caught on to it? Like, like what was the original seed that like led people to make movies about these things? That's just, that's just a side thought. Um, it's coming from somewhere people it's coming oh, from somewhere. Yeah. 
I mean, Dominic, like, what do you think that? I would definitely think that that comes from Satanism. Don't you agree? I mean, uh, Aleister Crowley has a big influence on Hollywood, if you guys know who that is. Oh, yeah. Yeah, so, I mean, I think Hollywood is rooted in um, in demonic in demonic stuff. I mean, I mean, look around, look what's going on right now. Yeah. <laughs> and then they try to romanticize it as the worst part, you know? Yeah. You know, now that you say that, I always thought, even as a kid, um, you know, the, the cartoon, the Disney movie, Beauty and the Beast? Oh, yeah. I always thought, okay, so in the, in the movie... If I remember correctly, you know, she's terrified of him. He's basically a Baphomet, you know, a horned beast. <laughs> and, you know, she's terrified of him. She falls in love with him. And then I think at one point he turns back into a human, right? Yeah. And then I think at the end, something happens to to curse him to go back into looking like a beast. And she ends up marrying him like that. So I'm going to assume they consummated their marriage. I always thought that was weird. I was like, She's going to sleep with this demonic beast. <laughs> and, and that's how the movie ended. I was like, that doesn't sound like a good time to me. <laughs> <laughs> that's true. Cause I grew up with an older sister and there were sequels to that movie. And he was still like the monster thing. And they were still together. And having kids. You, <laughs> you know, know. <laughs> that's what I'm saying. <laughs> People that are against Disney. Why don't we ever talk about that? You know, <laughs> why didn't that ever come up? <laughs> the bestiality, but, like, you know, <laughs> as a kid, as a kid, I thought about that. I was like, you know, like she's sleeping with this thing. That's not, you know, you know what I mean? <laughs> but anyways, yeah. So you, you had this zombie thing under your bed and you had no point of reference for it, which is even creepier when digging in. Did this kind of activity continue for you after, you know, the thing under your bed? Okay. So I had one more experience at, at that apartment. Remember, this is the apartment. This is not the ranch. The ranch has a plethora of things that happened there. But the last experience I had at um at that uh that apartment and dad if you remember this um do you remember that time i'm not trying to put anybody on blast but there was a time where you were having a barbecue you my mom and i think it was the neighbors and i started i, I didn't know how to swim so i would always stay at the you know at the shallow end and i ended up venturing off and i started to drown and nobody um I mean, nobody saw me like begging for my life until the very last moment. And at one point I, 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 I blacked out and I, I thought I was dying, you know, I was pretty much dying. And, um, I just remember seeing like a, like my, my vision going completely black and then like a big, uh, white light. Like I'm, I'm not trying to sound cliche, man, but you know how people say they see a white light. Well, I saw a white light, but it was, it was just like a, imagine like being in space, you know, you know, space and, you just see a big black blankness, you know, your whole world is just black. And then you just see one star and it opens up bigger and bigger and bigger. That's the best way I can explain it. And in that, in that big light, there was like a silhouette of someone like calling me to go there. And, I, and it felt very comfortable. I just felt good. It, it just made the, whatever was in my head, I was dying and it made dying. Just, I just forgot about dying. I was like, whatever this light is, I want to go there. And whoever that is, man, I like that guy. You know, that was the best feeling that the best feeling I ever had. And then with about five seconds after that, which would have felt like, I remember my mom and my dad, are you okay? Are you okay? And coughing up water. Remember that, dad? Mm -hmm. <laughs> <Thank> you, yeah. <laughs> I bet he does. <laughs> that was the, that was the last experience I had there at that apartment. So, you know, all of it wasn't bad. So that was probably, that was, I had two supernatural experiences that were good like that. And that was one of them, but. I would say a lot of them were pretty creepy, poltergeist, nightmares, crazy stuff. 
I mean, you, you ask me and I'll tell. So <laughs> <laughs> I love that an open book. So I, I am curious. We've talked about the dark side and now we've kind of moved on to, I hate to use Star Wars terms again. It just comes naturally. We're now onto the light side of things. Um, what was your first encounter supernaturally with the things of God? Uh, me or Dominic? Both. Dominic, go first. I would say probably around the age of maybe five years old. I watched a cat molly, um, a little sparrow down the backyard. We lived in, in a place called Palm Desert. And I shooed the cat away and I cupped the little bird in my hands and showed my mom. She goes, let's pray for it. Right. At this point, I was already attending prayer meetings. So I started praying for it. And I, you know, put the vision of Jesus Christ on what I thought he looked like in my, my mind. So I prayed for him, praying for him. I was praying for it. Moments later, my mom says, look, look, look. And the bird, the big hole in the chest, it was dead. It started bending. Flesh was growing back before my eyes and feathers. The little bird woke up and flew out of my hands. That's something that will never leave me. I still remember that to this day. Wow. Yeah. To heal through the power of Christ. Yes. If we have the mind of a child, and that's my take on that. If you have the faith of a child, you can do this. But what happens to us in this life is we're tainted with sin and the, the social dissonance of this, of this world. We're inundated every day. Our, our, our thoughts are changed and, and we're just, we're just, you know, just to be blunt, we're, we're tainted. And a lot of us as, as children have that, had that ability to Christ, but because of sin, we lose it. Is it possible to get it back? I believe so. But I don't think it's something, it, it's, it's so easy. As long as you have faith and keep trying and keep trying. I, I've never tried to heal anything again through Christ. But it's something that I've been thinking about. If he gave me that gift, I need to be more like Christ, Christ-like. Right on. I think that goes with what Lionel was saying earlier too, like how kids experience so many things. I think you explained it great, like with the mind and the faith of a child. It's like there's no junk in the way to cloud what you're seeing, what you're thinking. It's just, oh, it's right there in front of me. So it is. So I can talk to it. Nobody else sees it, but it's there. Right. But uh, going to you, Lionel, same question. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I was ready to get into this because this story, well, I think people will probably think that, oh, man, that's just, you know, God wouldn't do that. But I was also a child. And as a child, I sincerely prayed for this and wanted this, right? So I was probably about, had it been, a, I wasn't 12 yet because, yeah, I wasn't 12 yet. I had it been 11 Okay, I had been 11 years old, so I wanted this paintball gun that I saw at Walmart, right? And it was a, it was called a Talon paintball gun, and it was just I just wanted it so bad. It was like the, one of the first paintball guns ever. And um, long story short, it was forty dollars, and back then forty dollars was like a hundred dollars, <laughs> you know, it was expensive. So I swear, I that whole night I wanted to get it. Nobody wanted to buy it for me. My grandma, my grandpa, nobody wanted to buy it for me. 
And it was $40 and I prayed for it. I prayed that night crying, begging for it. I don't know why I wanted it so bad. I think my friends had it or something like that. And I wanted to go paintballing with them. And anyways, I prayed for it sincerely, you know, with all my heart, you know, God, please give me this paintball gun. Give me the money, whatever, blah, blah. And um, I get taken, um, I think it was with my grandpa. I think I went with him to the post office. I think it was with him. But anyways, we were going to the post office and I'm walking out and I see, as I'm walking out, my grandpa walks right past it and there's a money clip on the floor, right? With all this cash in it. And I'm, you know, and I, I'm like, you know, I get it. I pick it up. I open it up and I count it. And it's exactly $40 and $1 bills. And I, and just, you know, as a kid, I'm like, oh, you know, I'm just so casual. Oh God, thank you, God. Thank you for, for answering me that, you know. But now that I'm an adult, like what, what are the chances? I It was exactly $40. And the very next day, I found a money clip in singles just to make me count. It was exactly 40. You know, wow. you know what I mean? It's exactly singles. Come on, and, Jesus. I mean, if that wasn't God, it was some kind of supernatural force that got me exactly what I wanted. I was 11 years old. So, you know, I think God, if God did do that for me, I think that was him, you know, just bending at the level of my mentality. You know, I was 11 year old kid. I didn't know. I don't know any better, but I sincerely wanted that gun. You know, I really want that paintball gun. And people will always, people always say that, you know, God wouldn't do that, but who knows? But it's just a big coincidence. So that's a very big coincidence. Now that sounds exactly like something our God would do, man. Even now, I think that story affects me more now as an adult, when I start to lose faith, when I start to feel like I'm in the darkness and I start to remember God went out of his way to do that for me as a child. So don't lose faith because remember that day. Hmm. As I'm older now, it has, it has more effect on me than it did. You know, if that makes any sense. Yeah. Like that. I agree with you, core immediately. I'm sitting here thinking like he knows the desires of our hearts. And in that moment, like no one or nothing could have convinced you otherwise. Like, Hey, God heard me. God saw me. God answered me like, boom, clear as day. Yeah. I have stories like that. Um, when I was, I don't know, probably same age, uh, I wanted a PlayStation 2. And um, we can argue about the theological truth behind the sermon I heard, but there was a sermon I heard uh, saying that uh, when you plant a seed, talking about giving offerings, uh, you know, if you plant an apple seed, you're going to get an apple tree. If you can plant a, I don't know, whatever seed, you're going to get that seed. It's like money can buy any of those seeds. So you just give an offering, you say this money, I'm calling you a whatever seed and just give that offering and the Lord will give it to you. So I'm like, you know what? Let's just go for it. So I don't know. I probably had like 20 bucks and I just put it in the offering plate. You know, I call that a PlayStation 2 seat. <laughs> <laughs> and, and like a week later, I was like, Hey, dad, I'd kind of like a PlayStation 2. And he's like, you know what? Fine. And he just took me and got it. Like nothing big, nothing dramatic, nothing. But it was like, yeah, it just it, coincidence. Cool. God. Yeah. So can you write that prayer down? You know, <laughs> usually parents fight all that. You know, you got to do this, you got to do that. And that's 
That is a blessing. There's no, there's no battle for it. You know what I mean? I didn't play holy games on that PlayStation Two either. There was a lot of Grand Theft Auto played oh. on that PlayStation. That's not <laughs> God. That's not God. That's the worst game. <laughs> oh man, what kind of weird prosperity gospel did we just step into? Well, I mean, dude, that game is probably the top, the top three worst ones. Bro. Yeah. I think God got you the PlayStation, but not that game, bro. <laughs> that was free will on that game choice. That's <laughs> true, too. You, you know, you don't have to run those people over or stop by at those, you know what, places. <laughs> so, uh, getting back to the, no pun intended after the swimming story, but deep into the pool. Like, I know, I was just thinking it, so it came, but... I really want to know, like, you guys had supernatural and paranormal encounters, but when did you 100% for real turn your life over to Christ, and, and what caused you to do it? Dominic, you go at first. Well, for me personally, I think it started with the, with the bird and, and going, back to, um, going back to other things that happened. My aunt and uncle, they lived in a, in a ranch town called Thermal back then. It, was, it wasn't developed like it is now. I was probably between, I don't know, six and eight years old. I remember my mom speaking with my aunt on the phone and something was going on out there. There was always something out there, something supernatural out there. And I was a kid, you know, so they, here I was in tow with mom and dad out driving out to this ranch home. And um, my aunt and uncle said they'd been hearing strange noises outside their home. Um, just screams and cries and chains and footsteps on the rooftop and this, this and that. And, you know, I'm a kid, you know, like, okay, well, you know, I'm curious, you know, I'm, I don't know, six or eight years old, somewhere on there. So we get out there and th the dirt out there is, is, is like powder, like clay, like, you know, beat up clay. It's mixed with, with, with sand and, and clay. It's just really powdery. So you can make a good impression. It's kind of like flour. If you could imagine that. And, um, I remember this day walking around the house <clears throat> following my, um, my parents and uh, my aunt and uncle and they were showing us these footprints around the home. Some were some of the size of an infant, um, some missing toes, some were adult size, some were flat footed, some had one toe, two toes, some were big like like claw like feet. And this one particular one was were hoof prints. And it wasn't a four-legged thing because I remember my parents, I'm talking about it. This thing was on two legs, these hoof prints. These hoof prints went out to the barn. And, um, and they were telling us a story that my aunt and uncle, that a big owl had been harassing them. And this goes into the Mexican lore, the Lechusa, or, you know, there's many names for it. If you go into the uh, Native American lore and around the world or Lilith. And they, re they relate a story, I remember it, that, it was out again at, on a big tree in front of their house. I still remember the home. And my uncle shot it. He took it out the shotgun. And they said when they examined it, it was screaming like a woman. And they figured it was a witch. This goes back to lore, you know, uh, just, you know, Hispanic lore or whatever. And um, it, was, it was a witch, a night witch. And they started, when they burned it, the hole in the chest from the shotgun blast, human hair was in there. It was human hair, and the eyes were changing different colors, glowing different colors. Ooh. And this goes back to the reason why I bring up this right here, because I remember one night coming home, uh, back to the ranch late at night, 
and there's a big aisle in the middle of the back roads. Remember, there was not even one street light back then. This thing had to be about four or five feet tall. And I tried to hit it, but it flew away. And several weeks later, my parents were off in, I don't know where they were, in Nevada or somewhere else, out in the ranch myself. And I heard all these strange sounds one night in the tamarisk trees. When I went out, there were a bunch of these big owls. There's probably 20 or 30 of them on these big tamarisk trees just staring at me, looking at me. And I had a real ominous feeling like, oh man, here we go. I have a whole army of them out there. I mean, scared, you know, my hair standing up on my neck and my arms and everywhere else. Like, you know what? I'm out here alone. Walk inside and grab my shotgun and nine millimeter and start just shooting rounds off. I mean, there's nothing out there. You're not going to hit anybody. There's nothing out there. And I find all these rounds off. I mean, all the smoke, all this gun smoke everywhere, just everywhere. And I looked and they're still there. And after that, I really don't remember what happened to this day. It's like a blank. Like missing time kind of thing? Like you blacked like, yeah, out? I just, remember, I just remember shooting at them. The shotgun. I mean, this wasn't birdshot. I was using Magnum. I was using big, big pellets. Still, still Magnum. Almost buckshot. And uh, shooting off the 9mm. And I, I, don't, I don't remember after that. I don't, I don't remember. And um, then we get into the, the UFO sightings. One night going to Walmart. My mom and Lionel, and he pointed out a green light in the sky. This thing was dancing around, and I tried to get closer to it with the car, and it, it would reverse its, you know, from my position. It looked like a tic-tac shape. It was green. It was a beautiful green. I mean, a green that you've probably never seen before. And the next, uh, the next day, my mom asked, she says, did you guys see anything last night? I said, what do you mean? She says, yeah. She says, I heard you guys on top of the roof last night. I heard you guys put the ladder up there. I said, mom, we were in bed. Not me. <laughs> so, and this and this goes into Lionel's friend seeing something out in the ranch. I'll let him tell that story. So, um, you want me to start with my experience, or tell that story? Yeah, go for it. I think your question was, "What was your experience that led my way to Christ?" Right? That's what it was. Yeah, yeah. You, if you want to, whichever one you want to start with, and then jump to the other, bro. You can start with that, or start okay. from the beginning because so keep it all in order. So, I would say my experience with. Um, Definitely knowing that Jesus what Jesus had some power, but I wasn't fully convinced yet, but it definitely led me towards uh, Christianity at this point. So you got, at this point in my life, I was 15, and I have already had this idea that um, aliens were, you know, this nonsense that I had in my head at the time. I was very immature, and I had assumed from watching Ancient Aliens, of all things, and other stupid shows that tell you that you know aliens came down and they created the bible and they deceived us and all this all this stuff that just combined you know at the time because at the time think about it back in the early 90s or the late 90s i'm sorry there was no one else answering questions about the weird stuff in the bible other than those kind of corny shows there was no podcast or anything like that there was maybe just art bell knows about it and he was kind of leaning towards aliens himself so you know so there, there's no, there's, I never heard of a Christian at that time, at least that came out and explained why there's aliens, why there's this, why there's that, you know, there was no explanation at the time that I heard of anybody. But, um, when I got older, I realized there was people like Chuck Missler and stuff like that. But, you know, anyways, that's neither here or there. So I was 15 and I got invited to a, to a high school party and it was a Christmas high school party. And mind you, 
I didn't have the best, um, I didn't have the best high school experience, especially in freshman year and sophomore year. I got into a lot of fights and I just had a lot of enemies for absolutely the reasons I still don't know to this day. <laughs> These people were just picking on me. But so for me to get invited to a party at that time, um, it was a big deal. I was like, man, finally I'm getting some respect around here. So I'm going to go, I'm going to go to this party, <laughs> you know? <laughs> so, <laughs> and it was a Christmas Eve party. So I was like, yeah, definitely, definitely going to show up, you know, especially. So, um, anyways, at the time, I believe my grandfather was having surgery and I forgot what kind of surgery he was having, but, um, I think it was something on his back. He always had back problems. So it was, he was getting a surgery and his surgery was happening. I think a surgery happened about three days prior, but he was still in the hospital recovering. And, um, everybody was going to visit him that night. Um, my family, my cousins, you know, et cetera. And, I had to make a decision that I'm going to go to the party over visiting my grandfather. And mind you, I, I lived with him. So, you know, I should have obviously the right thing to do would to go be there with him because his birthday was on Christmas day. So instead of me being with him on his birthday at the hospital, I decided to go to this party because my selfishness overwhelmed me that I wanted to finally be liked and go to this high school party and be liked by a bunch of heathens, you know? So I go to this party and for the first time, I get completely wasted drinking alcohol, right? I've never drank um, prior to this time. And I remember I got drunk off this um, tequila called, I think it's called Presidente. Yeah, Presidente. And I will never drink it again because it was so bad that, you know, when I smell it, I want to throw up. <laughs> you know that feeling? <laughs> so yeah. I just remember getting completely wasted off that. You know, I was getting pressured by all the, the seniors that were there. You know, I was trying to be cool and you know, blah, blah, blah. And I remember getting a ride home and I probably got home like at two in the morning. And for the first time I got a key to the, to the mobile home we lived in. And for the first time I was actually in, in that mobile home at 15 years old by myself. Cause mind you, there was always family members living with us. Like at, at the minimum, there was about 10 of us there <laughs> most, most of the time. So there was always someone there and for the first time. There was nobody there and I was all by myself. So you know, I got, you know, open the door, barely open the door. I'm so drunk, right? Opening the door, I feel just, I'm off balance. I feel nauseous. And I just remember just passing out on the floor and just throwing up at some point, like at probably two, three in the morning, throwing up. And, um, I remember after like getting woke, woken up by my sickness and throwing up that I had this little cot that I, I slept in cause I didn't have my own room. And not a cot, sorry, but um, it's like those couches or sorry, those, uh, yeah, couches that turn into beds, but you can turn it back into a couch, a uh, futon. Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah. But it was like a very cheap one. Like it weighed about 60 pounds. Like, you know, it was a very cheap one. But anyways, I ended up uh, getting up after I threw up and cleaned myself off. It was probably like, I don't know, almost four in the morning, maybe 3.30 max. And I, I, I get on it and I sleep on it, but it's, um, at the time, it was in the form of a couch when I when I slept on it. So I slept on it with my face forward. With my face forward against the back would be the back of the couch, right? So I can't see what's behind me because my face is uh, stuffed into the you know to the to the backrest. So, anyways, I fall asleep in that position, and I just remember. Um, and mind you, in this mobile home that we have, the, we have these very big windows that are very long and wide. Like they're probably about maybe about eight feet you know, wide and, uh, 
probably about four and a half feet, you know, tall. The big windows that we had, like four in a row. And because we had two living rooms in this mobile home. And the one that I was sleeping in had these big windows, right? And this is, this is in the daytime, which is uh, which makes it more creepy because it was in the daytime and I wasn't asleep and I wasn't dreaming, you know, all those typical questions people ask me. So this is in the daytime. And I just remember like um, the the edge of the, of the couch being picked up where my feet were at like this and then bam being dropped. And that's, it kind of woke me up and I, my face was still pushed against the, you know, the back of the couch. And I, I just remember saying, um, Sean, leave me, you know, leave me alone. Like I'm, um, I'm hung over. I don't feel good. And my Sean is my cousin. Cause I'm assuming that we're opening presents. It's Christmas day. You know, it's Christmas day. Every, all the family's over, like, like the usual, we're going to open presents. And, you know, the way I was feeling, I didn't want to, I don't care about presents. I experienced my first hangover that day <laughs> and it was horrible. Right. J just feeling that whatever picked me up and draw me, I felt my head just ring bang. So then, um, it happens again, you know, it gets picked up and it gets a little higher this time and bam. And then at this time I just, I remember like saying like Sean, cause my cousin Sean's the only one that had the gall to mess with me. Because, you know, I was a hothead, you know, so if you mess with me, we're going to have to, you know, handle it. And my cousin Sean was the only one that had the goal to do it. So I kept saying, Sean, you know, leave me alone. And, um, you know, there was no, there's no response. My, my head is still just, you know, in the, in the couch. I just have this massive headache, man. I felt nauseous, just sick, just the worst hangover ever. And then again, it happens one more time. And I swear to you, the, the end of the couch got picked up almost to like a whatever 90 degree angle. And then for, before it got like that, I just flipped over and something just threw me off and I landed on my back on the floor, uh, landed on my back on the floor. And then I felt like I was just like a, a piece of metal and the floor was a magnet. Boom. I instantly got just frozen on the floor and I felt like I weighed like a thousand pounds. I couldn't move. And, um, the way I was facing, you know, the, the, the position I was in, you know, if I like, just imagine you're laying on your back and all you can do is, is look because can't, you can't move your head. So all you can do is look, you know, look towards your stomach and I can just barely see the front door and I see the front door just start shaking, sh shaking really loud. Like someone's banging on it and the wind's hitting it at the same time. And what the door, it probably does that for about two seconds. Boom, boom, boom. And then um, I just hear these big footsteps coming at, like coming towards me. I feel the ground shaking. Boom, boom, boom. It's probably about you know, 20 feet from the door from where I'm at laying down. And then I just feel this massive presence over me and this thing is huge. And I, and I feel um, big, like big hands holding down my, my wrists and both my arms and I can hear a growl and it's getting closer. And then I can feel hot breath on my face and it smelled like straight sulfur, like rotten eggs, like, like the most disgusting fart you can ever imagine. Like I just, I'm not even trying to be funny, but it just smelled like sulfur egg and fart at the same time. And it was breathing on me and I, and I could and it was growling like a, like I had mucus in his throat. And, um, I just started like freaking out. You know, I started getting scared. I started shaking. Um, I just started, I could feel the tears running down the side of my eyes and in my head, I'm like, what is this? Like, please go away. Leave me alone. I, Cause I can't talk. This is just thoughts going in my head. And then, um, I say it lasted about 30 seconds, but it felt like it was like a lifetime. But at, without a conscious thought, I, I just said, Jesus, please help me. And that was probably after like, you know, 20 seconds after when I finally, when I just said that, I didn't, I just said it out of randomness, you know, I didn't know what else to say. And when I said that, um, instantly the pressure on my wrist, um, stopped. And, you know, when I looked down, I had like, um, you know, like imagine if, if, if an invisible person was putting pressure on you, you wouldn't see the hand, but you will see the hand imprint indenting you. I saw indentions on my wrist leave me. 
And um, when that happened, the front door, how it shook before, it shook again. And to me, that was um, that was like a sign that the same way it came in, it, it left because as soon as the pressure got off my wrist, the door boom, boom, shook again, so it left. And, um, and, and, and all I can think of was whoever, you know, Jesus is, this name that I said, this thing was very big and powerful and strong, but it, 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 it cowered to this name. And, and I forgot, yeah, mind you, it was shrieking. It made this ugly noise when it left too, like a sound like a pig and a goat getting its getting slaughtered. It had an ugly noise when I said, the, uh, Jesus, uh, please help me when it left. And um, not even about 10 seconds after that, um, I say about a group of 10 of my family had brought, had got my grandpa, you know, they brought him home, which it all connected to me. Everything hit me at once. All right. I got punished because I didn't see my grandpa. Um, Jesus is real and he's very strong because he just made this big monster go away and I need to stop drinking. <laughs> so as soon as that happened, um, I, mind you, I was in tears. I was very scared. I was crying my eyes out. It was so bad that that night, um, I, I asked, uh, I asked my dad to drop me off at the river, which is, a. Uh, it's the name of an outdoor mall with the, with the only theater at the time that was out here. And I had to watch a comedy movie because I needed to get it out of my head. I was so terrified. And I remember watching that. What movie did I end up watching? Um, it was, I remember that uh, with Jim Carrey and that, and I forgot that girl, that blonde, but it was about them um, like losing all their money and they're really poor. I forgot uh, the name uh, of the Dick movie, and Jane. Yeah. Fun with Dick and Jane. Yeah. So whatever that was, it was a, it was an opening of that week. So that was the, whatever year that was, and whatever, when that came out, it was, that's when it happened. My experience, I remember it was the same opening week, but, um, anyways, as soon as the door opened and my, all my family came in, uh, my, my grandma was the first one to say, what's wrong? What's wrong in Spanish? Why are you crying? And I told her what happened, you know, in a very condensed story. And she goes, that's what you get for not seeing your grandpa. Like, <laughs> I'm, I'm already believing this stuff. So to her, she believed me and she was just already like, that's what you get. You know, I was like, oh my gosh. I was like, have mercy on me. <laughs> so that was my first experience um, that led me to start seeking out Jesus. Cause he, you know, like I said, whatever this entity was, was very, was very powerful. But, very, very, very coward to just a name, just the name, you know, were you paralyzed before you got thrown out of the couch or could you move? Um, I, I can move. Like I was like, just kind of like, you know, I was kind of like, you know, leave me alone. Sean, like kind of just like, you know, I sure, can move. Yeah. Yeah. As soon, as soon as the third time happened, I got lifted up and I, as soon as I got thrown off of it, I felt like it was just like, like, I felt like I got pulled down extra fast mm. than, than normal gravity. If that makes any sense. Like a magnet, like I said, like, like if I just, like if I just jumped off my bed right now with that same feeling, I would get sucked down to my bed really hard and fast. That's what it felt like. I just got boom, like extra fast. Hmm. That makes sense. Wow. In the name of Jesus, shut it down. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. No kidding. Uh, what was the second question again about my friends, my friend's sighting? It was a story that Dominic was leading you into. Yeah, yeah. So uh, this is... um. I guess I'll, I guess I'll hide his name for respect because I didn't ask him for it, but let's just call him Jay. So my friend Jay, um, he had a ranch too. And mind you, at the time, there was probably about four ranches in a 30 mile radius, maybe even more. There was nothing out there at the time. So he was like, you know, one of like four neighbors and two of those neighbors were our family members. <laughs> <laughs> too many strangers around there. Uh, so anyways, we have, we have a four-way stop at the ranch where, where we used to live. And um, 
that um on one of those on one of those corners of those stops was our ranch so just imagine like a four-way stop and you know on one of those sides is that is literally our entire land on that side northwest side yeah and then going if you were if you were to drive straight if you're facing um what's north you would pass our ranch and eventually make a right and you'll be at my friend jay's house so long story short um i'll make this you know, as very detailed as possible without taking too much time. So there was this place called the Apple Market back in the day. And it was like the only or, or, the, or the, the most nearest um, store to get snacks, kind of like a like a quick stop. And I had, you know, candies and, you know, all kinds of stuff, you know. So we would go there all the time. It was kind of like us being spoiled whenever we did good in school or whatever the case may be. <laughs> so my friend Jay his three brothers and one of his brother's girlfriends. So we're talking about what four or five witnesses that all saw this. And, um, they went, they went to go get snacks and it was at night. Um, you know, when the sun's completely down and on the way back, they get to, as, as they're pulling up to this four way stop and the four way stop is very important because it has all the detail of how big this thing was. So as they're pulling up to the four way stop, um, before they get to the actual stop sign where the lines at, they, they notice, that um, on the stop sign that was on our property, <laughs> there's a you know these two legs right next to it, and the light hasn't hit it yet because it was getting closer. And as the light keeps you know going higher and higher as it gets closer, they notice that there's some kind of like a tall being standing next to it. And the stop sign was about 12 to 13 feet tall, and this thing was um, at the very least as tall as the stop sign, if not a few inches taller than it. So we're talking about something uh, taller than 13 feet tall, and um, they all freaked out. They're like, you know, what is that? You know, what's that skinny thing? And the way they explained it, that it was very, very skinny. Um, they literally called it the, the, the spaghetti man. That's what my friend Jay called it. Cause it was so skinny. It looked, it, um, how come, you know, you know, you know, the, the slender man. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Seen that, you know, that's probably the only thing that I can compare it to the way he described it to me, but it was basically abnormally skinny to the point where, it would be impossible for it to be walking around at that kind of, you know, structure, your body structure, you know, it it should just fall right over. But anyways, you know, they see it and everybody's freaking out. They're all looking at it, you know, at this, from this um, angle, they'd be all looking out through the left side of the window, you know, looking up like this. So they're trying to look at it and um, they have to pass it, you know, to go home. (laughs) They have to go this way, you know, there's a right turn, there's a left turn, and they're straight. They have to go straight. And this thing is this thing is standing straight, you know, on the left side where the stop where the stop sign's at. So they kind of have, you know, one lane to get away from this thing. So, anyways, they boom, they zoom by it. And um they zoom by it from my my friend Jay said, and you know, they all try to look at it and they stop. And, you know, they all had this curiosity, I guess, to like, let's see what the heck this thing is. Because like, it wasn't moving. So they uh, I think he I, what did he say? I think one of his brothers said, you know, it's probably just like, you know, like scarecrow or something. Someone just put that there, you know, cause it's not moving. Like, let's just see what it is. So they do a U-turn. And so now they, it, it would be on the driver, on the passenger side now, if you were to see it. So now it's on this side now on the right. So they're coming back and, you know, they start, they start getting close to it. You know, the back of the lights are hitting the back of it. And they notice um, that it was very shiny and like very, like, like it was greasy, like a very, a lathered texture to the skin and it was all black and they kept getting closer and closer and the thing didn't move. They're honking at it. Thing didn't move. So they, um, I believe they said they're about maybe, uh, 10 feet from the hood. They're still looking at it. They, you know, they popped their head out the window 
and they said they got a good deal to look at it like it had like it was scaly like a lizard or like not a lizard a snake like the scales of a snake but it was all black and all juicy and um like slimy i guess and you know every you know nobody nobody wanted to get out the car and uh, go you know go touch or see what it is so they said you know let's just drive closer so they drive closer at this point they have to like look up because it's so tall to see what it is and my friend jay said the thing was frozen like it wasn't moving at all like it was suspended in time because it didn't make any sense how it was standing up because it was so skinny you know what i mean so he said all of a sudden the thing just like woke up from whatever it was in and just its head just looked down at looked down at them so fast like his head just went boom it looked at it and they saw its face and they said it, it looked like a from what he described just imagine you know the typical gray alien head you know the big the big eyes you know the little two holes for for a nose and the you know the little slip slit of a mouth but it wasn't gray it was all black and it was like made of like snake like like snake skin and it had a gray stripe going across its eyes like this like a big gray stripe and it was also scaly and he said at that point the thing just like looked at it like i mean i looked at them and it started jiggling oh that's what he called it the jiggly man there you go the jiggly <laughs> man not the spaghetti man that was my nickname for it but it was he called it the jiggly man because he said the thing just started vibrating like just imagine something standing still and it started vibrating right and he said it started vibrating and it just literally shot into the desert. Like it didn't, it didn't run. Like it didn't had no strides. It just imagine something standing still and just goes, just it just blasted out into the desert. And he said dust picked up. So to me, that it's physical. It's a physical thing because it picked up the dust in our backyard where all the dirt's at, right? In our backyard, that's the mess up thing. The thing was in our backyard, right? So the, the, the thing, so the thing blasts off, and um. And if I remember correctly, um, when it blasts off into the desert, a little, some little light just shot up into the sky. So I don't know if it, if it was some kind of demonic entity, a fallen angel that just shape shifted and went, you know, turned to a light and went back up, or if it went to a ship and went back into God knows where. Mm. You know? So that was, that's pretty much the basic details. And the funny thing is, about four years ago, um, at the gym that I work at, one of our um, one of our old work, uh, our old trainers that used to work there, he ended up training uh, um, Christina, I think that was her name, uh, which was the girlfriend at the time that saw, that also saw it. And I, and I brought it up to her and she's like, because ah, I told her, I was like, I was, I'll tell Kevin, which is the name of the trainers, I'll tell, I'll tell Kevin about the what you saw. And she's like, no, you think I'm crazy. I was like, just tell him because he's all into that stuff. And she ended up telling it. And she really, she really had like a lot of like, like some past trauma from it, man. Like she really scared, wow. you know? So yeah, yeah that's, that's the story. That was, I know. That was a crazy I, I got to get them on, man. So this yeah. is all your friend's story. You didn't personally witness this? No, not me. But I can right. definitely tell you, I saw some weird feet print in the backyard. Yeah. From time to time, that didn't look that didn't look that looked like it could belong to some freaky thing like that. Yeah, those footprints. Wow. And <clears throat> I guess that next day, I remember on that same street corner, I found my pet bull dead. Oh yeah, Coco. Void of any of any fluids. Yeah, no dry. blood. It looked disgusting. Sucked dry. And what I remember from the story is, is that this green light shot up, and this goes back to my story going to Walmart. That green light. Oh yeah, same footsteps. color. So you hear foot. We see a green light. We hear footsteps, and we see, and there's lizard thing on the on the property, and the green light shoots up. Hmm. Interesting, right? Very interesting. Yeah. Connection. And I was seeing UFOs up to four or five years ago. I was videotaping out here. I don't live on the ranch anymore. Last one I saw looked like a like a rocking 
bow-shaped thing. You can clearly see it. I remember one thing Ale Marzulli said. He said, rebuke first, ask questions later. Haven't had a close encounter like that since then. Hmm. Right on. Wow. Does your family still own the ranch? No, it's gone. It's it's sold. Yeah. Yeah. Long time ago. It's probably good. Probably for the best. <laughs> I'm glad you have a lot of stories, man. Like so many. Well, there's there's also good stories out there. There, there was prayer meetings where beams of light were seen and and you know, later on, you know, we got more and more into Christ. Back then you can just say I was lukewarm. Mm. So there was there was the opening, even though I saw the things I did as a kid. It's just the world got into me, you know, heavy metal, girls, you know, partying, kind of go sideways right there. You kind of forget about what really matters until you have experiences that writes the ship, like, you know, sleep paralysis and seeing shadowy figures, gaunt, gaunt figures, faceless and, and scratch, scratches on your back or in places where you can't reach. Yeah, that's what I went through. Yeah, I have, um, I have a lot of them, but, um. I'll point out this one was pretty dramatic. So I remember when uh, I first moved to LA and this is when Halo 2 came out, like the same day it released. So whatever day that was, we can pinpoint it at that. So I had been about 19 or 20. I love how we're keeping time. Yeah, Fun man. with Dick and Jane, yeah. Halo 2, like this is the hallmarks on our life. And, and earlier, the El Camino. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Maybe those things are the issue with it, but but I do remember those those things because it always it happened on those on those days. So I just remember there was a day that it released and I was playing it and I was playing late. You know, I don't know if you guys ever played Halo. At that time, it was prime, like it was like the thing to do. Like yeah, it was yeah. so addicting, and yes. I played with some friends online, just you know, fighting other people from online. Anyways, I remember being up late, man, and I was living at the house in um in LA, and at the time. We had these uh these dogs that just had a litter of puppies and they were miniature pinchers. And I think the dog had about six or seven of them. It was a bunch of those little things. So anyways, I'm playing this um the, this Xbox in um uh, in my sister's room. Cause at the at the time I just had I just had graduate uh, sorry, um I just had left from the desert to come uh, to come live with my dad and my stepmom at the time and my sister, but I didn't have my own room because I wasn't planned yet to live there, but I was sleeping in my sister's room. And she was just a baby at the time. She was sleeping in my parents' room anyway. So I was using her room and I sat on my Xbox in there and I remember being on her bed, sitting down Indian style, just playing the game, part three in the morning. And all of a sudden the bed just starts shaking, boom, 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 like crazy shaking, right? And the first thing, I, the first thing I think in my head when this is happening, I'm like, I'm thinking about the time where on Christmas day, where that thing happened to me with off the couch. The first thing I'm thinking like, Oh my God, this is so similar, but I'm wide awake this time. I'm not, I wasn't dreaming or I wasn't sleeping and, and got woken up. I was already awake playing a video game. And I'm like, Oh my God, I just felt such a bad feeling. And, um, yeah, the bed started shaking and my mind wanted me to believe that it was a bunch of puppies underneath the bed, shaking the bed. So the first thing I do is yell, stop it. You know, you freaking dogs, you know, you're, you're making noise. Get out of here. Get out of here. And then I wake up my stepmom and she opens the door. And she's like, what are you yelling about? Is everything okay? And, you know, I'm freaked out, but I'm still like in this delusional phase where I want to believe that it, it's the dogs. And I say, the dogs are underneath the bed. Like, you know, get them out of here. And she goes, all the dogs are outside. Oh. And I just got sucked into this reality. Like this thing is following me again. And um, yeah, that was it. I never slept in that room again. <laughs> I think we lived at that place for like another two weeks and we moved, ended up moving closer to the beach. But yeah, that was another time where that happened too. It was pretty. Wow, scared me. 
I was just sitting here thinking. It's like so. So you mentioned the initial apartment, then the ranch, then this place, and at some point, it's like, what do all these places have in common? I think it's me. Uh huh. <laughs> so I mean, would you say you're sensitive to the things of the spirit? Just naturally, is that a family thing? Because it seems like is everybody having these kind of experiences all throughout the fam, or is that just you? I mean, I think. Uh, Dom, you tell me. I mean, I think didn't grandma and grandpa? Grandma and grandpa have a lot of I think it's crazy family. stuff. I think it's family. It's family related. It, it it has to be. It has something be you know down you know family line because you go way back, way back to my parents when they were younger before I was born. There's all kinds of stuff going on in the place where they lived in Indio, on a street called Valencia. Um, apartments there and. My aunt and uncle lived there. This is another aunt and uncle. These lived close to our ranch. And there were supernatural experiences there. there were, they found voodoo dolls buried in the dirt. There were glowing eyes in the vents. There was people's faces turning lime green like mine. And there was my brothers who experienced, because uh, see back then to comfort my, my, my brothers, they would, they would flick back and forth my mom's fingernail, you know, thumb to thumb. You do that little flicking back and forth. And one night they were doing that, my, my older brother, the eldest, and he's, you know, he was in bed, he was doing that, you know, he figures my mom. And when he looked up, <clears throat> he saw a, a man sitting there and he goes, you know, who are you? And he had th- th- this thing, I guess it, it put its hands on, on its neck. And when my brother looked up to see what it was, he, he didn't have a head. And, and both of them are, are seeing this. So it's not something that just one person saw. Both of them saw it. And they heard noises coming from the kitchen. And they looked towards the kitchen. And they were actually what you would describe as leprechauns. They were in the kitchen. They couldn't hear anything. Like it was really strange to say it was like a bubble, like a time, like a time warp. Like you can see what's going on. And the noises were, was distorted. And you couldn't really hear what they were saying. It was like muffled. And they were eating and drinking. They were like these little, tiny little people. And, you know, is it, is it, it could be, it could be the hijacker effect. It could be, if you're not following Christ like you should, I think these things can attach to you. And this for everyone out there listening who has experiences like this, I don't care what it is, leprechauns, headless people, Bigfoot, whatever, dog man, whatever you want to do, whatever your flavor is. Think if you don't have Christ in you and you go looking for these things too, they'll, they'll come. And for me, I was, I was getting into the new age when I was younger. I think this is why I was seeing owls and UFOs and all these, you know, reptilian things on the ranch. I, I think that was because I was calling them some, some way, somehow just thinking about them, you know, it was calling them. And it's something very real for me. You know, people out there who, who are into this close encounters of the fifth kind, you know, looking to Stephen Greer and all this crazy stuff. Yeah, they are real, man. But you know, if you want to get into that space and, and you're not a believer in Christ, you're going to experience some bad things. Uh, I don't care what it, I don't care if it's cryptids or what, but you're going to experience something bad. And that's just my experience on, on, on what, what I went through. And um, just beware out there. Just beware because it's all real. Times are changing. And it sounded like all this started when you were really young. Do you know of um, generational, like, was there, a, I don't know, witchcraft or any kind of pagan worship going back? Masonry. Yeah, anything like that generationally? Mm-hmm. Well, for um, when I read um, Gary Wayne's book, 
he mentioned the, the Olmecs, one of the oldest tribes in Central America. And a Jesuit who wrote about it described that this, these people were, were priests from Atlantis. And these are tied into the Yaqui tribe, which I'm part of a little bit of it. Could it be, could it go that far back as we were some kind of ancient priest? It's possible. Could it be masonry? Well, yes. Also, because my uncle, who I never met, who was MIA in Korean, the Korean War, his ring he left behind is an old-styled mason ring. Mm. So he was in the masons. So, you know, going, understanding, you know, the book of Gary Wayne and, and I forget the, uh, what the citation is on it, but it was a Jesuit priest who wrote about the Almecs and their, and their, uh, their lineage is the Yaqui and they were priests of Atlantis. And you go, you tie in the masonry and say, yeah, that's a good question. You, 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 yeah, it rekindled some, some thoughts that I, that, you know, I looked into, um, trying to figure out the, the family line, but also the family line Tavares, I did a search on that. And back in the time of, of the biblical times or the Exodus, going way back, the tribe of Judah, they were called the wanderers, the hermits. And later, later, I think in 1500 or 1400, some of that time, they didn't have a last name. So they took on the name as, as Tavares. And you can research that. So are we, are we part Olmecs? Tiding with the Masons and the tribe of Judah? I, I don't know. Hmm. Possibly, but I, I don't know. So, you know, our, our lineage is not, people generalize us as Hispanic, but not necessarily. We're more, that last name comes from Sephardic Jews, Spanish Jew. That's a Spanish Jew name. And, and you know, on my mom's side, my grandfather was Yaqui. So you got those, those two tribes together. But could there be something back in my grandfather's line on the on the on the Native American side? Possibly, it's it's hard to tell. So I've been sitting here thinking for a minute, and you guys are no strangers to the supernatural or the paranormal. And I got a question I really want to dig into, and there's probably a little bit of a big answer here. But talking to both of you, you're clearly both of a kingdom mindset. That's obvious. Um, but what exactly pushed you to come together? And start this podcast because having all these experiences, you knew what you were coming against. That was no shock. But what was the inspiration? What was the revelation that said, you know, what? we, we got to take action. We got to do something about this. I would say definitely. Um, a lot of people have always told me that I should, uh, start a podcast and I actually did start one about... I would say a year before Corona here, so 2019. And I did about maybe 10 episodes, but it was on YouTube. And it was more like a, like a talk. It was more like a film show. I would turn this little room into like this, you know, a bunch of lights, kind of like a little talk show room. And I just didn't follow through with it because I wasn't in the right mindset. I believed in God, but I was just being an idiot. I was cursing, acting dumb, acting like a fool. So I kind of just um, quit from there. And ended up getting back into some bad ways, but um, I ended up, you know, going down the right path again. And you know, I you saw as as my job, I'm a trainer, personal trainer, and you know, I talk to a lot of people, like all different mindsets, you know, all different beliefs, all different creeds and races and creeds and all the nine yards. And 
when um, people bring bring subjects up when I could kind of sneak in, you know, some kind of Bible stuff, I do it, you know, any way I can. And I end up opening uh, opening a lot of people's minds up, whether I change their mind or not. I give them something to think about and everybody just kept telling me, you know, you should do a podcast, you do this, you do that. And um, yeah, I, I one day I just said, you know, I'm going to do it. You know, I just dropped a bunch of money on some equipment and um, yeah, I just started doing it. I just, I just got motivated to do it by people telling me that I should do it. And, um, I just really told myself like, you know, I'm actually, am a little bit, you know, I don't feel like I'm average, you know, not to brag, but I don't feel like I'm average when it comes to the mindset that like, as far as things that I know, like I know a lot more than the average person, you know, and that's like, I guess it's not really hard to do nowadays with how the world's turning, but you know what I mean? Like, like I know, you know, I know some stuff, you know, like I'm not just like, you know, I don't, I don't look, I guess I'm not as, I don't look, I'm not as smart as I look, I guess. Cause you know, people will assume that I don't know anything about this. I have a bunch of tattoos on my neck and pretty much on the back of my head and on my whole body. You know, I kind of dress like, um, like I wouldn't know this stuff, I guess. You know what I mean? Imagine me being a pastor, right? <laughs> you know, you wouldn't believe it. So think about it like that. But yeah. <laughs> I think, uh, for me, it was, it was, it was to bring awareness bring awareness of the ancient world of antiquity and try to write the ship on other, other things I've heard in other, in other shows. I know people are fascinated with cryptids and so am I. I mean, I, I enjoy talking about these things because I, I, I want to bring awareness that in my opinion, these things are all dark. They're all dark and they shouldn't be venerated. I don't think for me personally, I'm not going to speak for other people. I'll see for me personally, you won't find me wearing a shirt with Bigfoot on it, venerating a Nephilim, because that's, in my opinion, that's what they are. They're, they're, they're a, a, a Nephilim spirit and dwelt creature, dog man, all these things that people will supposedly see. And they're probably real. I, I don't know. They're, they're, they're probably from another space, another, another time, another dimension. Same thing with aliens. These, it's coming more and more to the forefront. They're talking more about these aliens and some people in circles calling them our siblings and the elder race and this, this and that. Well, yeah, the angels are ancient. They're ancient beings. And it's just in my opinion. When God says that he would create us in his image, he was talking about them. So we're created in their image. That's true. But we're not the same creation. I'm sure the angels won't have an umbilical. I'm sure they weren't birthed from a man and a woman. You know, uh, there's, there's so many other things, you know, we can't walk through walls. We can't materialize and dematerialize. They're, they're different. They're different creation. And later, when we become like the sons of God, that's when we're grafted into the kingdom of God. We're adopted as the sons of God. We're not, there's no, there's no parental connection between us and the angels. They're a different creation. We're like the angels. It's a simile. It means similar in characteristics. It's a preposition. And I think people need to understand that and to do their own research. And when it comes to stuff that they're not too sure about, don't, don't take my word for it. Don't take anyone else's word for it. Just open the Bible up and start reading. That's the awareness. Start reading. What does the Bible say about the Bigfoot? Maybe they're the Horites, the cave dwellers. What does it say about other creatures, you know, like the lion man of Moab? You know, we, we don't we don't know what these things are, but we know they they the Bible says that, that you know these creatures were there. Then there's something we have to really take into consideration that 
people may not be imagining saying these things and and just to be mindful that I think a lot of people see these things out in the Midwest or in the back east. I think a lot of them are, are looking for it. They're calling for it. Like I was calling to see UFOs. You call for these things, you're going to see them. And some of them may be nice to you. And some some of them, you know, may take people and they may, may never see them again. Look at 411 with David uh, Pilates. So, yeah, it's just for me, starting this podcast is to bring awareness about all these strange things in the world. And what's most important is to keep Christ at the center. Amen. Amen. So I hear like immediately like calling and awareness and let's go after these things that everybody wants to make popular. And, you know, maybe it was aliens. Maybe it was this. It's like, whoa, 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 whoa. Let's look at it through the Bible. I dig it. I dig it a lot, fellas. Well, thank you guys so much for taking the time to come on the show. No problem. Absolutely. It's fun. It's been an absolute pleasure. And talking with you guys just makes me realize that uh, it probably is time to do what Daniel and I have been discussing and bring on the modern day exorcist for a part two on generational curses and break down some of that stuff. Because when you were breaking down your lineage, Dominic, uh, just... I know our listeners might not know what to do with any of that knowledge. So maybe, maybe it's time for us to bring Pastor Shelley back on. You want to hear something crazy? She and I were talking about it on Monday. Sweet. I'm about to throw this shoe. <laughs> I'm done. I guess it's time <laughs> to bring her back. Uh, host of the Raw Faith podcast. Go subscribe. Shameless plug and Sabbath at midnight. Fantastic show. Can't get enough. <laughs> really enjoying it. Uh, these guys interview some of the best people in this space. Uh, the Lord's really hooking Dominic and Lionel up with being able to make some fantastic connections with people who are well-studied and versed in the Word. Um, and hopefully there will be some more amazing things coming in the future between Light and the Darkness and Sabbath and Night. Yeah. I hope this is the first of many conversations, fellas. Amen. Well, I had a great time, and thank you for for uh, inviting us on. And we're gonna get you guys next, so get ready. <laughs> <laughs> we're gonna we're gonna pick your brains next. <laughs> All right, That's awesome. I'm looking forward to it. <laughs> now, before we sign off, before you guys came on the show, were there any stories that you had in mind that you're like, you know what, I want to tell that story, but we just haven't gotten to it yet? Oh yeah, I've I wanted to share one where. That just that happened at the last apartment I lived at less than a year ago. Hit it. Oh, right now? Okay, well. <laughs> well, just to let you know, this is like one of like 30 I have left, but I know the time for time. <laughs> this one right here, because I was talking about the, the main ones that happened that stuck out. And the first one was the one that led me to Christ on my grandfather's birthday. The second one was when the bed was shaking during the Halo 2 release. And um, this one happened about maybe eight, nine months ago. And... um. So I was, so I had a, I had an apartment and it was two bedrooms and I lived by myself. And for some reason, I just remember that I couldn't, I, don't, I couldn't sleep in my room. I don't know how I like a feeling like I just couldn't sleep in there. I wasn't comfortable in there. There's some kind of bad feeling. So I ended up going to the other room and sleeping on the floor because there's no bed in there. And I've always been comfortable sleeping on the floor anyways. I don't know why. I just, I sleep better on the floor. So I slept on the floor on my back and um, the way I'm sleeping is, the, the the entrance to that room is on the right side of me. So if I'm laying on my back, it's it's like right here. If I, I would have to turn my I would have to turn my head over to look. And I just remember being woken up from my sleep 
and I can't move. Once again, I can't move. I'm, I'm nailed to the ground. And, um, the, the door to my room was closed, but it wasn't all the way closed. It was just like, you know, closed all the way for a little crack. And the door opened by itself. I'm watching this happen in real time. It opened by itself. And then I see a box. Okay. A cube just floating. Okay. Don't know. I'm just telling you what I saw. I have no idea what it was to this day. I have some ideas, but I don't know what the heck. It's so random. Like you can't even make this up. So this cube is just right there at the center of, of the entrance. And it's just pausing there. I'm like, Oh my God, what the heck is this thing? And it looks, it looked like it was made of, um, of rock. Like, but it was in a cube, but it wasn't perfectly carved. If that makes sense. There was like some, you know, some waves on it. It wasn't perfectly, you know, cut perfect, but it was a cube and it looked like a uh, grayish green, the color of the rock, like we, grayish green. It's the best way I can describe it. And this thing starts floating towards me, right? And I'm like, oh my God, what is this? And I'm praying already. I'm like, God, please help me. What is this? Blah, blah, blah. I'm praying, I'm praying. And the thing's coming towards me. And then as it's getting closer, I, I could look up and there's like a face. I can see a face that's, just imagine this this cube and there's like a, maybe like a, like a portal on the bottom of it. And there's like a face trying to come out and trying to bite me, right? And it's getting closer. And it's, I'm like, in my head, I'm like, this thing's going to be right over my face, face to face. And sure enough, it's right here. It's looking at me, this box with a, with a face in it. And it's trying to come out and bite me, but it can't. It's like, it's like stuck at the border of this box that, you know, whatever it is. And it looked like, um, the best way I can describe what this thing looked like. Have you ever played, um, super Mario brothers for the super Nintendo? Yes. The super Mario brothers, the womp. No, nah, the super for super Nintendo. Oh, 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 oh. The first yeah, one. Yeah, he's played it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. He's just trying to guess which one it was. Yeah, I <laughs> thought it was the Womp character. <laughs> so do you remember when you go in the castles, there's those big old blocks and they smash down, they have a face on it? The Womp. Is it? <laughs> the Thwomp. 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 That's what it is. Okay, yeah, it's thwomp. a Thwomp. Okay. Look, it, looked like the, it looked like that thing, but if you don't know what that looks like, imagine the Hulk's face, like very square, but his, his skin was made of stone. And he had big blocky teeth and was trying to bite me. And I would just, I kept praying and praying and praying. And finally, after praying so long, the thing just like started like vibrating again, like not, not again, but like my friend's story, this thing started vibrating the whole box and it just shot out into where it came and it went towards my room, which is probably not good. And then I can move again. And I was just freaking out. I have no idea what the heck that was. It's so random, a box, a cube with the face in it. Gosh, that just. I don't know. You trying to diagnose what these things are that people are seeing is, I don't know. I feel like it's probably a losing game mm-hmm. sometimes okay. to try to figure out what the heck this thing is. Does anybody else in the history of human experience have a story about a box with, with a face and teeth trying to bite them? It was weird, man. I have no idea. And like you said, I don't want to think about it too much. I'll go crazy trying to figure out what it is. I have no idea what it is, but it's like I tell people, like, you can't make this story up. It's so random. Yeah. You know, and I was wide awake. This is, and this is also in the daytime, too. Oh, I was taking, wow. I'm trying to take a nap during the day. So you were awake, not asleep yet. Ugh. Suddenly you're paralyzed. The door opens and this thing comes in. And it kind of happens when you're kind of like in that state where where you're, you know, like when you're falling asleep, yep. you're still dream. You're just starting to dream, but you're still awake. Kind of it happened in that state. 
Like yeah. In and out. And yes, and I do believe that these things attack you when, when you're kind of in your dream state. Oh, yeah. Because that's when you're most vulnerable. People say, well, you're probably dreaming. Yeah, you're right. I probably was. But at some point, I got woken up and I was right there looking at it. By so, a demonic Super Mario-esque character. Exactly. That is definitely Satan trying to mess with Super Mario Bros right there. <laughs> or he's the one that gave the idea to start with. Let's let's switch Look, you're already trying to take Star Wars Look, from me. Pop culture is <laughs> pop culture for a reason, bro. It is all inspired by something. On a serious note, yes. I'm, you know I'm with you. <laughs> hey, Todd, you have a story? You have one more story? I think probably the most, the most recent one is after uh, interviewing one of the close encounters of the fifth kind um, guests, I um, developed a, a fever. I got really hot for maybe an hour. And then I got really super cold for an hour. And I know what it was. It was a spiritual attack. And I started praying because this, this guy's interview is, is it's wild. And when I spoke to him again, after getting off the phone, I broke out in hives. And a few times I heard while in bed, I heard growling in my ear. And I knew getting to this podcast, bringing spiritual warfare, that this, these things are, are a possibility to start happening. And unfortunately, you know, my thoughts realized came true. And, but I, I do pray, you know, when you get into this space, we, we hear sounds or you hear stuff like that. The, the mainstream world wants you to, to believe that it's something psychological. It's something schizophrenic or, or along those lines. It's nothing like that. I took psychology at university. I know, I know what, what I heard and, and sometimes what I hear. And because when, when people don't understand the spiritual world, when they're, they're, they're mainstream, they're uh, come from a secular worldview, they, they want to put a label on things they don't understand. And that's unfortunate. I listened to, uh, for example, Dr. I think it's Laura Sanger. I believe she's a clinical psychologist. She talked about how people get possessed their body's weakened by a, a, a parasite called Tigana. And a lot of people are misdiagnosed as having schizophrenic or other type of social maladies. You know, uh, they're misdiagnosed. And this, when this weakens the body, you know, they're, they're vulnerable to spiritual attacks. So there's a lot of things in this space regarding hearing voices or hearing growling sounds or seeing spirits. And you know, maybe in some cases it is, you know, some sort of, 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 you know, uh, social, uh, psychological uh, issues. I'm not saying it's not, but in some cases it is, it is real. And the Bible is supernatural. And the problem is with today is, I'm not saying all the churches, I mean, some of the churches have taken the supernatural out of the Bible. And that's the, that's the issue for me. That's why we're here. That's why we're doing what we're doing, right? bring awareness, try to teach people how to do some spiritual warfare. And when we come on your show, we'll share some of the stuff that's happened in our lives since we started the podcast, some stories we haven't told on our show. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> some of the warfare we've been through. Cause we just, mm-hmm. we don't like glorifying that kind of stuff and we don't want to necessarily share all that often, but it's worth discussing that there is a price to pay when you're pursuing uh, the kingdom. And uh, there's a real enemy out there and he's really going to try to take some, take some swings at you. Absolutely. And the moment you, the moment you say yes to that calling, yeah, there's a target on your back. You, you know what you're saying yes to, but 
you know, when you're under the blood and God gives you the grace to go to these places, heck yes. The payoff is always awesome to gain new ground for the kingdom. Always. Amen. Well, guys, uh, Lionel, where can folks find you, find your show, find your socials, all that good stuff? Um, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and TikTok, Sabbath at Midnight. And um, yeah, Sabbath at Midnight on Facebook, Instagram, and TikTok. And we go, um, yeah, what else do we have? Do I have anything else? Or is that it? You run the Facebook, right? Yeah, it's Sabbath at Midnight Podcast on Facebook. Um, and we're going to start a YouTube channel sometime. We'll get it going. Yeah, we're small, we're small right now, but we're trying to get there, you know, <laughs> sooner than later, hopefully. We're in that same camp with you. It has been an absolute pleasure. Again, thank you so much for taking the time to come on the show, guys. Thank you, too. Thank you for inviting us on. It was actually it was actually really fun. I enjoyed it. It was like talking to people that I know for at least a few years. That's awesome. But this is not goodbye, fellas. This is just see you later. weird it just got jiggly spaghetti men big giant owls missing time so many ufos a thwomp a real life thwomp like what just happened on the light in the darkness podcast this is the weirdest it's gotten and i am loving it thank you so much lionel and dominic for coming on the show it was an absolute pleasure if somehow dear listener you have not managed to write it down or catch the name of their podcast that is the sabbath at midnight go subscribe and for more of one of our favorite things here at light in the darkness here comes danny boy with this week's shout out shout out well this is normally the part where uh, I'd be reading you something that somebody wrote that was accompanied by five stars or uh, some exclamation points. But, folks, there ain't nothing left in the tank. So, instead, I'm just going to have this nice moment of me talking about it. And uh, here's the hoping there might be one for next time. But if you're thinking that next time could be you, you can go to Apple Podcasts and leave us a five-star review. And we'll read it right here. Remember, we like exclamation points, don't we, Corey? Exclamation points! Now, if you'd like to learn more about Corey or myself or the heart behind the show, you can find out all that you're looking for at litdpod.com. That's litdpod.com. Litdpod.com. Now, if you want us to partner with you in prayer, or there's a supernatural or paranormal story you'd like to share with us, or even better, a testimony, you can reach us at litdpod at gmail.com. Litdpod at gmail.com. Litdpod at gmail.com. Guys, we're grateful for you. We love you. We're so thankful you tuned in. And until next time, take care, y'all. We love you. We're so thankful you tuned in. And until next time, take care, y'all. On the flippity flop. Uh, yeah, no. <laughs> you said it to the tune of On the, the Frontage, frontage road. road. I heard it when I was coming out. God. <laughs> <laughs>
I just feel like there's red clay every time we say that. Like, there's no floor in that church. It's just dirt. <laughs> and everyone's okay with it, but there's no carpet. So, it's not a church of God because they don't have the blood red carpet. I love how deep of a joke this is. Like, how many people that are millennials besides you and I get the on the frontage road reference? Let's start here. Why do you know what the frontage road is? What got you listening to John Boy and Billy? That's right. I just podcasted this. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you see, growing up, I always listened to country music. Lame. And then (laughs) I started discovering the devil's music that is classic rock and roll. So... I got my mom to switch from country radio to classic rock radio. Nice. So then on the drive to school in the morning, mm. the classic rock station would play the John Boy and Billy Big Show okay. on the frontier road. So, f- hey, big man, let me hold a dollar. <laughs> <laughs> that guy's dead, you know. Oh, yeah. No, no, no. It was an homage to him, if oh. I understand it right. Every time they said it, it was like a for our boy. But, uh, yeah, for me, it was riding in a green-colored F-250 that I've never seen that color since, by the way. Um, every summer, I became an employee at my dad's company, whether I wanted to or not, working on a job site, building houses. And every morning on the way to that job site, no matter what button I pushed, one through six, they were all set to 99.7. 